As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter in the Until Saturday feed. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman, Ari, a national college football reporter for us. And Ari, I feel even closer to you than possible. I don't even know if that's possible, but Saturday night or Sunday morning, listen to you and David Ubbin recap college football from the night before, and I find out that you've never seen Star Wars. I've never seen Star Wars either. I don't know. We might be two of the very, very few, but let's we got to stick together and never. Are watch you this. with me on the whole category of like yeah, the I don't, sci-fi I don't in know general? What, any the stuff is like people refer to it and i think i told you this when i was and we'll get to our other hosts guests host hosts in a minute hosts when i was i don't even know how old the second star wars movie came out i waited in line for like two hours with friends and i left after 20 minutes i was like this is stupid and i went and played video games in that movie theater so that's where oh, I stayed. okay so you're even more hardcore than i was one time i went to a star wars movie because they always come around at christmas time and i went and I fell asleep like 10 minutes in and I was snoring and my friend had to like wake me up. <laughs> that's, that's better than probably wasting money on video games. Also joined by Manny Navarro and Manny survived, I, I guess, survived a, a Saturday with Ari Wasserman in Jacksonville, Florida. I, I enjoyed my time hanging out with Ari in Jacksonville. It wasn't very long, but it was just enough to get the full experience <laughs> of what it's like to be at a football game with Ari and and soak up the what's happening in other games perspective and and just talk ball. And and I will say this. I didn't know this about Star Wars, but I probably shouldn't share this. I have a ridiculously huge Star Wars collection of figurines. Oh, uh, wow. I didn't realize you guys hated that hated it that much, but hey. Hate, now, hate know. is just don't no, don't like don't it, understand. Don't, understand. It, don't understand. Appreciate that, that people like it, but don't understand it. Also, too, those figurines are probably worth a lot of money if they've been like in the box <laughs> and stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Did you take them out of the box and play with them? No, I, I, I left them at my mom's house long ago. I, I really don't. <laughs> I was just joking. I, I did have oh. one when I was a kid. I, I This is not like an adult thing. This isn't like SeaWorld, you know, honey. Okay. <laughs> this is just kid. Kid collection and and you know, but it probably is worth the fortune. It's I get why kids like house. it. All you right, know, I think it kind of goes into the same category <laughs> yeah. as Disney adults. Okay, know, we're like, we're gonna move on. Um, okay. Grace, um, <laughs> since the other two, we've we've already taken way too much time. Give me thirteen seconds on your stance on Star Wars. I also fell asleep 
uh, but would like to have more of an open mind. So I might try again, but I, I too fell asleep. That's just I classic grace right there. Doesn't really like it, but doesn't want to be mean. Doesn't want to offend. Ari's breathing heavily into the microphone. <laughs> All right. Are we going to talk some recruiting? I think so. Um, we might. You don't want to talk-, talk about the demise of American cinema anymore? Because I just. No, we just can't. Why is the entire. We can later. Category we to, gone. We, it's a recruiting okay. podcast. Sorry. We have to at least pretend to talk about some recruiting. So we, <laughs> we do have a good show, Ari. Uh, we've got a special guest. A bit later, we're going to be joined by Antonio Morales to talk uh, USC recruiting. We have some big commitments to discuss, plus one notable decommitment. We'll hit the mailbag if we've got some time. And of course, trivia sponsored by Grace Rayner. Um, oh my God. First, let's <laughs> this week we're not answering, Manny. It's all Grace. Yeah, all Grace. Yes. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> All right, so last week at this time, we talked about Ryan Wingo, who was set to make his announcement Wednesday night, how it was going to be so great for Missouri, two five-stars in a class, parody, all this stuff, and then much to Grace's chagrin, not because she's a Texas and or Missouri fan, but Grace had a Ryan Wingo to Missouri story all ready to go. Ryan Wingo commits to Texas, uh, the number 22 overall prospect in the 247 composite, number seven wide receiver. One thing that seems to be a trend lately, no strong consensus on him. He's number five overall in 247 sports, 19 in rivals, 27 in ESPN, number 92 in on three. Um, I guess it shouldn't have been a shock because I guess at this point last week, guys, there was sort of some, the tea leaves or the whatever you want to say, their Texas seemed to be gaining some momentum, but, but, but Grace, you know, I guess I'll start with you since you've talked to his coach and all this stuff. I know you weren't surprised, maybe just your reaction to, to Ryan Wingo to Texas. Not surprised. Um, I think just as a fan of recruiting in college football, I would have loved to have seen him go to Mizzou. Uh, just continue shaking it up and go join uh, Williams Newberry over there. Um, but I think his visit to Texas went well. They they had a clear vision for him in that offense, and that's probably a pretty easy sell for them, especially if you're getting to catch passes potentially from Arch Manning. Um, so I'm curious to see how he works out toward to your point, Mitch. Like, it seems like there's no real consensus on him. He's a super fast track guy. Um, so not surprised, but kind of bummed. I wanted to see him go to Mizzou and continue to shake things up. On a similar note, um, another recruit who we thought was going to a non-traditional recruiting power, Elijah Rushing. We talked extensively a few weeks ago about his decommitment from Arizona. He commits to Oregon. No secret there. It was just a matter of not, you know, when, it, not if, but when. Number 27 overall prospect, number three edge rusher, like from Tucson, Arizona. Oregon's class up to number six. They've got five top 100 guys, seven top 130 guys, number two junior college prospect. So, all right, this, is, uh, this isn't a Georgia or a, an Alabama class, but it's looking like it's, this is a big, getting to be a big time class, even though they've only got one five star. <laughs> You've been waiting patiently for like seven minutes to do that again. <laughs> I wish you know I could what? do the you gurgling that noise Manny. that the big bear makes. What's he, his name? Chewbacca. Manny, <laughs> Manny, he's big. Ari's big in this Florida State class. The, their quarterback, yes. Luke. Is that what you're talking about? Luke Cromenhoek right Luke there? Is Cromenhoek? that what you're referring yeah, yeah. to, Ari? That's who he's talking about. Um, okay, we'll talk about <laughs> Oregon first. Okay. Um, And this will kind of play into the USC discussion that we have a little bit later on. But I think it's just another instance of Oregon grabbing the bull by the horns on the West Coast. You know, when when Lincoln Riley took over at USC, you know, I thought that he was just going to own the entire territory from from Washington down. And 
I think you can make the case if you look back at, you know, the, the last two years since Lincoln Riley took over and Oregon has been the class of that side of the country. And, you know, as the four biggest brands on the West Coast now are joining the Big Ten, you know, I can't stand the geographical implications of the expansion, but I'm also hoping that even if those teams are in the Big Ten, that the West Coast will still be able to carry a banner. Like, I hope that there is a narrative in the future in the Big Ten of here are the West Coast teams taking control of this Midwestern, typically Midwestern conference. And I think that Dan Lanning is doing that. Um, And, you know, I I, I fully bought stock in on him because of the decision he made on the road against Washington a few weeks ago. But that was also predicated on the recruiting wins that he had last year uh, during the early signing period. And now, of course, with rushing. Um, and you know, they seem to be in a good place or situated well in NIL. Uh, they have a brand that these kids have all grown up understanding to, you know, gravitate toward. Maybe it's the uniforms or the Nike or, or just the way that they've played the game, you know, dating back to the 14, 13 years or even the late chip Kelly era. And it's a desirable place for people to want to go to college. And I think that they have the entire package, and a coach, most importantly, that understands that you win with with people and you win with players, and he's going out and getting them. So, you know, I thought that the way that I feel about Oregon, you know, would be the way that I feel about USC, and I think to a certain extent USC has done some good things. Um, I am very curious if you if the next step for Oregon now is putting together a Georgia like class. Like I wonder if that's possible. You know, Dan Lanning has coaching ties; he came from there. Will Oregon ever sign a class that has 12 top 500 players in it? You know, because I think that's the next step. You know, even if you look at the college football playoff race right now and, you know, you kind of get all in your feelings about them being the number one one loss team and is Washington going to be able to do it? Can USC climb back into the Pac-12 race? All these things. I think we all kind of know, or I, I at least I know in the back of my head that, you know, the team that Manny and I sat next to and, and watched suck the soul out of Florida's chest is still situated um, in a much more firm place from a talent perspective. Like there's a long way to go there. They're on the right track. They're not there yet. And I'd be very curious if they're going to be, if you guys think it's even possible for them to, to get to that point. Manny, what yeah, you, I, for, I, yeah, go ahead, man. I was going to say with Oregon, I, I, we had this argument a couple of weeks ago on the show. And I, and I said, I think the only way Oregon ever gets to that Georgia status where they have a number one or number two, number three ranked class is, if you see USC demise, you know, USC's demise here in the next couple of years. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen, even though they've lost two games now. Uh, I think that's the, the problem for Oregon. But what I really wanted to talk about was just how much both of these sort of uh, defections, you know, in terms of Missouri and Arizona losing out on two of the best players in their state and Ryan Wingo and Elijah rushing. I think for all we talk about NIL um, and how, it's going to even the ball game. The reality is the best players still want to go to the best programs. And I think it really sucks that, you know, Wingo decided to pick Texas and rushing decided to, to, you know, leave Arizona behind and go to Oregon because both of those are in-state guys. Both of those programs are having really good years. I think Jed Fish has done an unreal job with Arizona. They're five and three. They just knocked off Oregon state, Um, Missouri seven and one. They've got a chance this week uh to play the number one team in the country and who knows what could happen that game i mean i think we know that george is probably gonna win but who knows maybe maybe they just have an unbelievable day but i think we still haven't really reached a point yet in my opinion where nil is making a significant difference in terms of high school recruits i think it, it is in the transfer portal i think it certainly plays a huge role but i think in the end the fact that two of the best players in the country 
um, high school players in the country are picking out-of-state schools over in-state schools who are doing well, to me, sends a message that we still haven't reached the point yet where NILs made a difference. You know, while yeah. I was doing the reporting for rushing back when, you know, Mitch, you helped me with the column about Arizona being successful with an in-state program, um, the NIL discussion came up. And I think it's a fascinating thing that you bring up here, Manny, because um, I was told during that time that Arizona had a very attractive financial package um, set in place for local businesses to want to support the local kid and that they were very competitive with whatever they might be getting elsewhere. And I do like that idea because that is actually what NIL was supposed to be, you know, and I don't know if it was supposed to be discussed when you're in high school. It was supposed to be uh, sponsoring and compensating athletes for their name, image, and likeness once they're good college players or recognizable um, in their communities. And like, that was it. Like, I was like, wow, well maybe Arizona does have, you know, local sub shops and restaurants and bars who want to pay these, these kids money to promote their businesses on their social media platforms and in other ways with appearances and stuff. And that they would be more apt and willing to do that with somebody who grew up down the street. And if the answer to, and I, and I would love to know, and I'm still trying to figure out like what went down there, but if the answer to Rushing's flip was Oregon just offered him a boatload of money and it put Arizona's local businesses who would have been in a position to sponsor this kid at a loss for words or at the end of their pockets, then that sucks. Like, you know what I mean? There's no other way to put it because, you know, at the end of the day, kids are going to go to places that are established like Oregon. And if they're going to pay more, then it's a good decision. You get to go to a place that has a coach that understands how to win or understands what it takes to win. You're going to a place that's been established from a, a national perspective in terms of brand recognition, and you're getting paid more on top of it. Like the whole thing about NIL was supposed to be, would you go to a worse program for more money? Would you jeopardize your stature in college for more money? But if you're going to get more money from the places that are already the desired destinations, then it's it's screwed up. Like there's nothing that like a team like Mizzou or Arizona or anybody else can do to combat that. Cause it's like, like, Hey Mitch, would you rather work at the St. Louis post dispatch for 30 grand or be the head editor of the New York times for four times as much money? Like which one is anybody going to pick? It's common sense. One thing that, and you guys have done a lot of reporting on it uh, at camps and talking to kids and high school coaches. Someone jump in if you think I'm wrong here, but the, with top kids, and we're not talking the 300, 400, 500 rankings range that they're not necessarily driven by the biggest offer. Everyone wants something, which we all, you know, is, is out there. So if, if, if player A is picking, you know, if, if rushing, you know, it's clear that rushing, as Ari said, had a package at Arizona and Wingo was going to get something at Missouri and they've got, you know, the, the rules for high school players, you could get money even sooner. So I, I guess my point is like these kids are, they fall into two camps. One, some of them are just going to pick the highest offer. We'll call them. Camp Ari. They're just going to pick the highest offer. And other kids. <laughs> There's an implication there, right? Uh, and other you know, he, he, he just thinks that, like, I'm just a money-hungry goblin. Well, well, just do what have you, over the three years of, uh, I've, four years I've known you, what, what, what gives me a reason to think that you're not? What gives you a reason to think I am? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, and then there's ones yeah, that, hey, as long as they I get thought. something and they're comfortable with that offer from school A, they're fine with that. They're not necessarily going to go to the highest bid. Actually, so, I am like that. This is Camp Ari. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I, I think like, you know, w- did, did Ryan Wingo pick Texas because an offer was bigger? We, we don't know. There's there's rumors about that. Um, but it's clear he was going to get something attractive at, at Missouri as well. So, each case is different. I agree with what you're saying, big picture, yeah. Manny, but I think also each case is different because there are kids who are, you know, going to the, I, the, I guess, the non-traditional powers. I guess for me, it's just you'd hope that when they're having a good year, like Missouri's having a good year and Arizona's yeah. really, I think, turned the corner, that this would be the moment, right, where they could win one of these huge recruiting battles and change the momentum. But it's clear, like, it's going to take more than that. It's going to take, like, a series of upsets, you know, a team winning 10, 11 games, putting guys in the NFL. It's not just NIL that's going to come in and, and sort of even the playing field. It has to the be chicken and the, the whole thing. The funny yeah. thing is that Arizona was when when he committed was showing signs of life, but wasn't really doing well record wise. And since, you know, then they have two upsets and they're playing great and people are talking Could about it. Was an this was all yeah. after. Yeah. yeah. Th- then then's when he goes to, uh, makes the commitment to work. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply couple more commitments. Reggie Powers, four-star safety from Dayton, Ohio to Oklahoma. Number 275. That's Kenny Powers' nephew. Is, <laughs> he was um, <laughs> is he a pitcher. Um, former Michigan State commit. We've, saw, we've seen Michigan State lose some commits. Weston Davis. Here's another one of those guys with a just wide range of uh, in, in the rankings. Offensive lineman from Beaumont, Texas, flipped from A&M to LSU. Number 169 in the composite. Number 18 in on three. On three is a five-star. He's 169 in the composite. It's probably the biggest gap we've seen. And then here's one, Manny. I wonder if you remember this kid at all. Colorado gets a commitment. A couple of days after Dion says he is going to, you know, rebuild his offensive line, they get a commitment from Isaiah Walker, a junior college offensive tackle from uh, Miami. So here, here's his path. He, um, one-time South Carolina commitment, signed with Florida, transferred to Miami, then Butler Community College, then Colorado. Do you remember him as a recruit, Manny? Yeah, I wrote a story about him a couple of years ago for here for The Athletic, and uh, he had some off-the-field family issues that I think really affected him. And I think the coaches at Miami, when Mario Cristobal took over here and he was still on the roster, um, I think he had some conversations with his family, and they thought, look, the best thing for him is to get away from South Florida and to kind of be in a new environment. And so I hope for Isaiah that you know he finds uh, Colorado to be the place that 
that really helps him sort of overcome some of his previous issues. But he's a talent. He's a very, you know, he was a four star, I think. Yeah, top 200 top one, in the composite. Top 200, yeah. And the composite coming out of high school out of Miami, New Orleans. I know the coaches there really, really well. They were Duke Johnson's coach, uh, you know, before Duke Johnson came uh, and the, the all time leading rusher at the University of Miami. And and those guys always considered him a huge talent. They just said he always had off the field issues, you know, related to family that he needed to get past. And so hopefully this is a fresh start for uh, uh, Isaiah, and he's able to to go out to Colorado and be a difference maker for Dion. Yeah, um, and here's a notable decommitment caught me by surprise. Um, see what you guys think. Trevor Jackson, uh, both Manny and Ari have written stories on him. Quarterback from Orlando, uh, number two four seven in the composite. Um, from Ole Miss. Here, I want to read this evaluation on 247 Sports from Andrew Ivins. A green quarterback prospect that has the tools to start and win games at the Power 5 level, but one that lacks valuable game reps. Impressed at the Elite 11 finals, making a number of advanced throws alongside established blue chip talent. However, decided to switch schools right before senior season and wasn't named the clear-cut starter coming out of camp. Looked into this a little bit, you know, transferred to Jones High School in Orlando he hasn't been a full-time starter. I don't know how many games. He has some stats, but he doesn't have the most. There's another quarterback that has more yards. So, Manny, I don't know if you know any details there. So, I don't know, guys. Was this a case of maybe Ole Miss taking a step back? You know, he had that good summer and maybe thinking, okay, this he, this, he might not be. I have no idea, but the timing is interesting. Yeah. Pitt was in on him earlier. Pitt has a quarterback in this class, number 1,005 in the composite Julian Duggar. So, Manny, do you have any insight on on, on Jackson at all? No, I mean, in terms of what he's going to do next, I'm not sure. I mean, I know Miami kicked the tires a little bit, and they've got Judd Anderson, who's a very, you know, kind of mediocre three-star recruit in this class. They've got a better recruit in the in the 25 uh, in terms of commitments for quarterbacks. So I don't know if Miami jumps in on this or maybe one of the other state schools, maybe UCF uh, or USF. Uh, you know, Alex Golish obviously is had a pretty good done a pretty good job, I think, with USF turning them around here pretty quickly. So who knows if he ends up just picking one of the in-state schools, but you know, Trevor's just one of those guys that you know he's uber talented. He just hasn't played a lot, hasn't gotten a ton of snaps uh, in, in high school. He wasn't really the starter until his junior year of, of high school. So his numbers weren't very, great either. Is no, it, I think I saw his completion percentage was in the low fifties. Yeah, it's, so he needs he needs game day reps. So maybe it's one of these situations where he ends up going JUCO if none of these colleges really have space for him, and then he comes back in two years, and we're all talking about what a stud. You know, Trevor Jackson is uh, coming out of a out of a JUCO. So we'll see what happens with him. But I got to dig in on that and find out what's what's the latest. All right. You saw him throw. I mean, I, we don't none of us are awesome. true, true talent scouts, but you thought he's was awesome. Pretty damn good, huh? He won that for, you know, the the rail competition that yeah. they do. Have you guys seen the videos of that where yeah. they have to throw the ball to a it's like a fly route down the sideline and the ball has to be perfectly placed. And if you. Um, miss the throw or it's a little overthrown or underthrown, you're out. Like he won the whole competition the first night we were there. And as we were walking off the field, I was like, so who are you, who are you considering? And, you know, it seemed like he was just starting to consider his recruitment. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, it's like anybody who wants to get involved, you know, will get involved. And I think maybe one of us should reach out to him. I'll, I'll do that after the podcast is over because it's an interesting story. Because um, he becomes like, like the only top at. 50 you know, quarterback yeah. available. Well, I mean, he's a top 250 player. Right. So top, but I mean, like, I think all the other quarterbacks are committed and a little teaser. Grace is working on a story for next week about the, the class of 2025 quarterbacks, how it's so accelerated with their commitments there. Have so. you started reporting that grace? She's been, I have. Yeah. She's done. Can, can we get a, can we get a quit, a quick, like theory of tell the stat first mention, then let grace explain like what the theories are. Um, 
I think that's super fascinating. And like, I don't know the answer and I'd be very curious to hear what you found out. Well, Grace, you can, you can start. Cause I got to look it up. Okay. okay. Well I have, I think the stat is like this time last year, there were five committed in the class of 2024 and now there's like 25. Yeah. I think that's um, it, yeah. So, um, but it was basically by November 1st. Yes. How many commitments for the, for, the junior quarterback yeah, of the, yeah, the junior quarterbacks for the next yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating because every quarterback I've talked to has had a different reason. Like some of them were just like, I knew I loved it and I want to do this. All of them said that it's beneficial because you can then start working on your class and like recruit around you and get guys to join you. But what I'm trying to get to the bottom of is like, it's super beneficial for the schools and I think it's better for the schools than it is the kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out like why, you know, four and five stars feel like they have to do this right now when they have so much time. But I don't know. They like a lot of them just said like Michael Tolleston at ASU was like, I was their guy. I was number one on their board. They're not taking a 24 kid. Like I'm good. Um, this is where I want to be. So why wait? And yeah, I think it's just a, a manifestation of the, of more kids committing earlier and the quarterback position is just unique. And once the ball got rolling in the 25 class, it really got rolling. Spots became on both sides. Spots became more valuable and kids yeah. just grabbed them. In it's schools. just a concept of pressure. Yeah. Are they feeling yes. pressure to commit or are they doing it? I think it they are a little bit to? from schools. Like one of the, I can't remember which quarterback told me this, but he was like, yeah, schools won't like, you know, overtly pressure you, but sort of mind games you a little bit. And then Tolleson was saying like, he was going through his list and one of his top schools already got a commitment. And he was like, whoa, like, do I need to, you know? And that's like, the, what starts, uh, yeah, that's probably what starts the ball rolling. I think the know? domino effect It's like is not just pressure rapid. from the schools, but what about pressure from your peers? Like that's the I, thing. I, it's I, like when you make the commitment, do you feel any amount of pressure and what's the source of that pressure? I think is a fascinating discussion. Sure. I mean, I, I went to, if you want to lock your spot gonna, in. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say, I talked to a couple of these quarterbacks at the IMG uh, Academy, the uh, whatever it was, the Under Armour. 2025 um, top 50 or whatever it was top 100 players that they invited out there. I talked to KJ Lacey and Akili Smith. I think Lacey was already committed to Texas at the time and Smith was leaning towards Oregon. And I, I just remember both of them talking because I asked them the same question, like why do this so early? Like you don't even know which coach is going to be there, et cetera. And the, the feeling was just like what you initially said, Grace, which was they felt like they had to take control of their recruiting classes. So yeah. I don't know yeah. how, how much of that is, you know, just the thinking nowadays that college coaches are pouring into them. But I think it, that that's the impression I came away with from talking to both of them. Yeah. I so, also think like the process just seems like it sucks so much now that I don't know that I blame them for being like, I want to be done with this early as early as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just so many factors. Um, and then also too, just be kids that are committed now doesn't mean they're going to sign there. Right. Right. It's like right. there is the concept of, Reserve sure. a spot, but Receive if you spot. get a better reservation at Dorcia, then you go there. You know what totally. I mean? Like that's yeah. We've all been like making two reservations for dinner at night, you know, and then you do that. You do Grace, that's not Sometimes. what about what about the other couple that wants to go to that same place and you've got it reserved? You're the reason why I can't take my wife out to a nice no, seat for like, dinner. I always cancel before the uh window, but I like to have, if I got people coming in town, I like to have some options, you know? Ari, I think yeah, we Grace. finally uncovered Grace's first character flaw. <laughs> no, no, my wife does it too. She she well, she's reservations like six months in advance too. I would she's never a restaurant cancel flipper. like I always yeah. do it the like the day before. But do you flip on restaurants? Yeah, she you she flips keep a on restaurants, guys. You can't no, do I, a I leave a nice message. Just how to That's say that's the no. decommitment note. Hey, I want right. to say thank hey, you, coach. To, you know, I, thanks for everything. 
It's, uh, you know. <laughs> thanks, but no what? thanks. I don't. Then I don't want tuna tartare tonight. Yeah. Then they fill it probably someone with someone better anyway. With somebody <laughs> no, better tipper? no, with somebody worse. Grace, nobody's better than me. <laughs> a better tipper. Yeah. Okay. Are you I'm a bad tipper? tipper? No, I'm uh, a great tipper. My fatal flaw is that I over tip. I always like twenty or, is the minimum I'll do. Yeah, I'm. I, I usually just go twenty. That's you guys have never under-tipped because the service is really bad. Very the rarely. The worst I've ever done is like eighteen. Unless I think it's the waiter's fault, then no. Um, but do you ever like tip people more money just based on like where what their like life circumstances might be? Oh, if they're so nice I to me, I'm like, oh, trap, you're the best. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it's like, yeah, you know, this person doesn't seem to be uh, getting all the breaks in life. I'll give her an extra five bucks or him an extra five bucks. You know, so if you're know. so if you're a server at a restaurant, all right, you should come up with a, a sad life story. A story. I over tip or tip way more at cheaper restaurants. Yeah, I do yeah, too. That's, that's, so if I go to a place where the dinner is seventeen dollars or whatever, I'll leave like a seven or eight dollar tip. Yeah. Um, like whereas twenty percent doesn't a, seem enough there. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'll always leave like eight, ten bucks, even if the bill's twenty. This yeah. just happened to me on Massage Envy. I was getting a massage, and the and, oh. and the girl, oh yeah, the girl, <laughs> yeah, the girl, the girl was telling me about how she'd been battling cancer. I felt so horrible by the end of my massage that I was literally in tears. Well, what what were you getting done at the Massage Envy there, Manny? Just say, I have my monthly membership, dude. Like I go there for business. You get it's a really massage legit. once a month. That's once a, a that's month. All I pay the, I, Your poor no, girls. You Maybe you like could get better it's soccer like 60 equipment. Bucks. Maybe you get better oh, soccer. 60 bucks a month for Smart. massage envy? What do they do? I, you they get have, like an hour long deep tissue or what? What do you got going on in there? I usually, it depends. I'll go with either the 60 or the 90 minute. And and just depending how stressed out I am, like, you know, if 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 Mitch is being hard on me, which he never is, <laughs> but if Mitch is being hard on me, I might go for the 90 minutes, you know, and then. Uh, in the case, no, it's once a four hour massage. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I get my feet rubbed all the time. Like I just like, there'll be times where I'll just like go across the street. I've got 45 minutes. I'm going to go get my feet rubbed for a half hour. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> It, oh, is, it is relaxing. It's I called like foot therapy. It's at uh, Midway, foot, foot uh, Midway and uh, Northwest Highway in Dallas. Uh, you know, it's very relaxing. <laughs> I sit there on my phone and just kind of catch up on the day. Okay. And then they scroll. Well, you know what you rub. can't catch up on? 2025 commitments because there were no notable ones this week. But there was a 26 commitment. Uh, Brendan Lockhart, a five-star cornerback from Loyal High School, in LA to USC. Yes, I did say a five-star player That's from right, Los Angeles bud. committing Whoa. to USC. And on that note, let's listen to our conversation. Ari and I spoke earlier this week with Antonio Morales, our USC writer, about that very topic, about recruiting, specifically recruiting in Southern California. So here's that conversation with Antonio. Now we're joined by Antonio Morales, who covers USC for us at The Athletic. Antonio, we had to make the special call. USC recruiting, or USC football in general, but USC recruiting on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, how concerned should USC fans be about recruiting right now? Uh, like a 7 or 8, I would imagine. No, Ari's probably like a 10. Yeah, we, <laughs> Ari, has, Ari has a different scale. No, but I thought that you would be less than that. I was going to say 7. Yeah. Okay, so what's what's the rationale? between? Seven, I'll give you a 7.5 there, Antonio. Uh, just it's a continuation of what was going on under Clay Helton. It's not that, um, that same scale because Clay Helton had like the number 63 recruiting class or whatever, and Lincoln's more stable, um, in terms of job security, but Oregon still coming in and 
winning a lot of recruiting battles, beating them head to head for some key guys, not just in California, but on the West Coast. I mean, you date back to Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley a couple months after they started. Oregon pulled off that shocker and they uh, swiped Josh Connerly um, you know, a couple months after they both started. And everyone thought he was going to USC. And last year is Mateo, Uyangalele, Roderick Pleasant. And you get this year where it's this cycle where it's Dakota Field flipping. Um, so I, I think in some instances where there's California kids where USC really hasn't really pursued them heavily. Um, some of the modern day kids, I don't think they pursued all that heavily. Um, but there's some instances where they do want some of these top end kids from California and they're just getting beef for them. It's not at all what I thought this was going to be. <laughs> and it's funny because, and, and we'll get to this because Antonio wrote a, asked a good question of Lincoln Riley about recruiting California kids and wrote a column or a story about it. And like the second graph linked to my story that was, USC is going to take over the world. And like, I actually wholeheartedly believed that USC was going to be a dominant West coast program. And it's like, you asked me what the fear would be on a scale from one to 10. I was like at a seven. And then he just said, it's a continuation of what was going on under Clay Helton. And it made me want to go through the roof. (laughs) Like, it's like, that's the exact opposite of what's supposed to be happening here. I don't understand how there could be five players out of matter day this year who rank in the top 133, three of whom uh, play positions of great need for USC, and they're they're 0 for 5. Um, it just doesn't sit well. And Dan Lanning is a very good coach who has proven um, not only to be a force in national recruiting, but particularly on the West Coast, picked up a commitment Monday from a five-star defensive end out of Tucson, that, and Elijah Rushing, who was going to go to U of A and you know reopen his recruitment and end up in Oregon. And it's like USC – should be winning that battle too, right? Like, I don't know if it's just about kids that are an hour away or in Southern California. It's about the entire West coast, like in my head. And like, I don't know if this is reality or if just me like blowing it up and being wrong, but I thought like USC was going to be the West coast superpower of the sport. Like, I didn't just think they were going to be really good and maybe make the playoff every now and then. Like I thought they were going to be incredibly awesome. And they're not, and they're not headed in that direction, and they're not recruiting the way that I thought they would recruit. And, yes, they got Bear Alexander and a few other guys in the portal, but they're not portaling the way you would think that they would portal. Um, and Caleb Williams is leaving. So I don't know. It's like it makes me want to take a deep breath, but it's like I am incredibly wrong. And we joke about, like, me owing Andy $1,000. He should, like, slap me in the face when I give it to him, too. Like, I wasn't <laughs> even close. Like, I'm not even close. And – you know, at this, you know, fear of rambling. It's like year one was supposed that to be over. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the year one was supposed to be the first step of building that, you know, a half away from football from being in the playoff, winning a Heisman trophy with Caleb, You're supposed to go back into the lab, fix your defense, and then come back this year, like as the best team in the Pac 12. And not only are they not that, they didn't address it. They had retained their coordinator and they might lose four games this year, maybe five, with if you look at the three games they've got left. And that's after escaping. Uh, two games because of failed two point conversion attempts from teams that are at the bottom barrel of the conference. So I just like want to scream. Like I'm annoyed that my headphones don't work and I'm annoyed that it's like not even a discussion and um, have fun in the big 10 next year when you play Utah every week. All right. Since Ari didn't have a question, Antonio, I have a question for you. 
Um, he but kind of referenced the host, and we're both talking about this. I'm not asking Antonio's our guest. We're supposed to ask him questions. I'm um, the guest today, too. <laughs> <laughs> You're surly guest. Um, you came to the pod last week. I, as giddy as I've ever seen you are, you were feeling good today. Had a bad NFL Sunday. <laughs> you're, you're cold, you're so Ari kind of referenced it, but uh, you wrote about it, Antonio, and Ari tweeted about it. Basically, Lincoln saying it doesn't really matter where the recruits come from because if you're winning, no one cares, and if you're not winning, it's like not you know it's like doesn't yeah. really matter either. It's like you, you, the the point is to win. So my question is, if this were Texas, Texas high school coaches control a lot. They're very provincial. It's all about Texas. Is and I know you don't live in Texas, you live in Southern California, but how important is it for a college coach to cater to the local coaches? Is it as important as it is, you think, in Texas? If you get where I'm going, yeah, I think California is not as strong. As Texas's coaches are more unified than California's are. It's such a big state, and Southern California is so much different than Northern California. Northern California is so much different than Central California. Uh, so it's different, but um, I'm sure people saw that quote and. I've heard from a couple of recruiting staffers in the Pac-12 who, <laughs> you know, said they might have agreed with what Lincoln said about California kids and stuff like that, but he shouldn't have said it out loud. And where was anybody with like in the program to tell him like, don't say that. Like people who know Southern California well, because Lincoln still knew two years into the area. Um, so I think it's common sense from anybody to not say the players in our state aren't. I I I think you. I see what you're saying, but like. I wouldn't have said that if I were Idaho, about Idaho, Idaho players if I were the Vandals head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but we'll see how California's coaches respond to that. It's uh, they get to watch out for, and the reason why it's different than Texas is because the seven on seven coaches and the personal trainers and everything, everyone like that, have just as much say over here as probably more say than the high school coaches do. So. Uh, it's going to be them that you have to watch out for as well and how they respond and how they react to that. This might be difficult. To, real quick. Can I ask Ari, him a question? Um, yes, you can ask him a question if you got one. You were there. You asked the question to Lincoln that got the quote, right? Mm-hmm. Sitting right here. What was the context of people aren't going to judge you if they're winning or with, with California players or losing with California players, they don't care about the roster makeup. Like that makes sense. Cause the only thing anybody cares about at the end of the day is creating a winning team, but that doesn't mean he doesn't need them. Like, that's the thing that I didn't really understand. It's like, no one's talking about your roster makeup, but you would think that you wouldn't say something that would be detrimental to your, to your pursuit of those players. Yeah. I asked him, I said, like in this brand took several hits on the recruiting trail in the years before you got here. It wasn't something that was going to be rebuilt overnight, but what, what did you, like, how do you think, where do you think the brand stands now? Like, has it been tougher than you expected to rebuild it? Has it taken, has, is it where you expected it has been um, along those lines? And then um, he talked about the brand a little bit and then he went into recruiting and all that stuff. And that's where he, um, said what he said about how there was players from California when he got here that he thinks shouldn't have been on the USC roster and all that stuff, which was pretty startling to hear um, when he said it. Now you, you mentioned this in your story on Friday that like the Pete Carroll era, there was just, the, there was 
guys growing on trees, basically in Southern California. <laughs> this might be difficult to answer, but when do you think the tide started to turn? Because if you asked a college football fan, if you made the point where it was just, you know, there's not as many good players in California, especially in the line of scrimmage as you think, like that's kind of startling. And I hadn't really thought about it until I really started following recruiting super closely two or three years ago in this job. Like, so when it was obviously very good in the early 2000s, it's not great now. Has it just been steady? Is it just some, you know, how did this come about? Are the, you know, not, there's a bigger question about the amount of kids playing football, but again, this is just kind of startling. Yeah, I think it started to shift around the early to mid 2010s. You started to see a lot more, um, just more skill guys kind of populating the top of the recruiting rankings and things like that. I, I think Stanford's class, like in 2013, where they got Kyle Murphy and some other guys, was like the last like great West Coast recruiting class probably white davis obviously came in went to Ohio state but that was more of like a one guy as opposed to several guys who were highly ranked so i think around then is kind of when it started to shift and that 2013 class was really because lane kiffin was in on a lot of those guys and they just missed on so many of them and stanford ended up getting them all that's kind of what sparked stanford's uh runner under david shaw in the mid 2010s and so I think that's when it kind of start started to decline in terms of the number of guys. And I think that's around the same time it started. To, USC's trenches recruiting started to uh, decline a little bit too. Also, the, the California thing that like drives me nuts is that you could say that comment, like, but I feel like that would be the answer to the co- to the question uh, that you should ask Georgia this year, which is you're not really recruiting your own state, but you're killing it on the outside. Why aren't you focusing more on your state? Like they're not killing the recruiting world nationally either. Like it just is such a bizarre quote to me. Like I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> and he recruited Southern California. Well, when he was at Oklahoma. Yeah, right. No, I know. It's like, right. <laughs> it, it's just like, it was a weird time. And you don't, and, and if you are going to say it, maybe not after two straight losses, like there was nothing about the timing of it or what he was saying or anything that I could even make remote sense of and i feel like i want to play like that billy madison quote that that billy madison thing that everyone says and it's just like this is not the direction that i thought it would be this is two years almost since he's been hired the direction of the program seems to be going downward where did deandre moore end up by the way Texas. Texas okay i'm just when ari and i started working together and he was writing this week in recruiting it seemed like every other week there's Oklahoma gets five star from California. And I remember Deandre Moore and he, he was, I think, wasn't he one of the last holdouts? Like all those guys started to flip and yeah. then he was, he stayed Oklahoma. And then mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Has he played? I don't think he's played. Has he this year? No, much? I don't think he's played much, but it was him, Makai Lemon, Malachi Nelson, really ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, several other guys they had committed before that. Some DBs, I think um, they recruited Nevada. Well, uh, they got Jake yeah. Taylor from Bishop Gorman. they um, Javante Barnes and those guys, they were getting a lot of kids from, from out West and, um, they just struggled to replicate that. I don't think they have, they have Lincoln on the offensive side of the ball, which helps They have Dante Williams. That's mainly corners and, mm-hmm. tape, but there's not a lot of like elite recruiters on this staff either. The guys you can point to and be like, okay, this guy's the ultimate closer. I think that's the difference between them and, and Oregon. And I remember, uh, talking to Andy and Ari, when we did Judge Andy and uh, uh, he wanted to talk about his bet with, with Andy, I told him, don't do it. And uh, I told him Oregon wasn't, wasn't going to go away. And uh, Oregon certainly yeah, 
Tosh Lupoy and those guys, um, they mean business on the recruiting trail, and that hasn't changed. It's only intensified since they've gotten there. Yeah, Ari, you got. Sorry, it. I'm wrong. Okay, I, mean, I don't know. Like what? I was, I was wrong, and like I'm gonna have to pay financially for. But you it. weren't. You were very close to being right. Yeah. Like but if Caleb even, doesn't get uh, hurt in the, well, the spirit of what we were talking about, yeah, I, was, I know. I would have. They would have. You would have taken the money though, right? And by oh yeah. And he was also too like let's let the record show that like we were in Vegas together when the, we were, we both covered the the game with Antonio, and like Andy was like after this we're gonna go to a really nice steak dinner and you're gonna pay. he was trying to like get his money like me to use it on him so I hope he keeps that same energy like when like he can take me on a cruise with the money or something <laughs> because um, he's gonna treat me to something nice when I give it to him but yeah it's a uh, it's a really hard thing for me because the question that I would want to ask too here is if you're covering USC and you you're there, you know, paying attention to the recruiting rankings every day and how they, you know, the feel is a, you know, what do you feel about going over five at matter day and B, what is the pathway back to getting uh, the hope that they would return to where I thought they could get like, or is that just stupid and not going to happen? That's the fascinating thing. I think obviously I think Alex Grinch and the reputation there definitely hasn't helped. Recruiting wise, I think it's, he's probably been really easy to negative recruit against. Um, but I think the thing that's more puzzling too is you you usually see the the boost that cycle after you have the big season on the field. And USC had the big season on the field last year, Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, there's been no boost at all in recruiting. It's got their 19th right now after they finished number eight last year and had the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12. There's been no sort of boost. They've gotten some 20, 26 commits. Yeah, so you got Brent, what, Brandon Lockhart, a, a cornerback from LA, but 26. So we'll yeah, it's so far off. And I know people are optimistic about 25, but I mean, dude, you're going to the Big Ten next year, and none of those guys are be able to help you yet. So um, it's a really kind of bleak outlook for recruiting. Anything else, Ari? You just. No, I, I, I need a smile, Ari. I, you know, people always say that like all I care about are the big teams and that like I only talk about Georgia and Alabama and those guys, but like the notion of having USC be like Carol cool again, like was a very exciting thought process to me because I wanted the West coast to be kind of lumped in with the passion that you have in the South and some of the Midwest. And like, I am like, generally disappointed that USC wasn't able to hold its end of the bargain because like they've got the coolest uniforms, I think. And, you know, back in the day when they were Carol cool, like they were badass, you know, and Oregon's doing a really good job right now. And maybe it'll be Oregon that keeps that side of the country bought in, but I am just a little miffed at, you know, listen, the PAC 12 is better this year than they've been, you know, that that's part of it. And they've only lost one PAC 12 game, but I'm just miffed at how, not not that they didn't res- like reach their goal, but like how I feel about them in November two years in is bad. Like I don't. Are you I, mad I wrote in the call. Are you mad that they're not good? What? Are you mad that you're wrong? Or are you mad that they're not good? Uh, I mean, it never feels good to be wrong. I mean, right. I'm wrong all the time. You know, it's hard to be right when you're talking about as many topics as True. we are all the time. And you know, part of the podcast I feel like is being able to own up when you were wrong, and I was wrong. So there, there's no like skirting around it, but I, I don't know the thing that I don't, I'll leave Antonio with. And I wrote in the column that ran on Tuesday about USC is 
Name one thing that USC is doing, whether it be on the field or off the field, that is really, really good that you could like attach your hope to. And I don't know if there's an if there is a single thing that you could say Lincoln Riley is doing this. Is he recruiting the quarterback position really well? Um, is his dynamic offense here to stay? Are they recruiting California well? Are they making noise nationally? Like, what are you clinging to if you're a USC fan to give you hope that they could be elite again? Because I don't know what it is. Yeah, the, the program has no real identity right now. The defense is bad. The Caleb will be gone. Um, there's the the belief that okay, Lincoln Riley that he's going to be fine no matter who's at quarterback. But that'll be a fascinating thing to watch this offseason. And um, the recruiting isn't going well, and people have questions that I think the fans have always been frustrated with the NIL situation. Um, so I think there's nothing to really point to saying, okay, this is what we're doing well right now. This is the identity of our program, and this is what our calling card is. Um, so I think for for USC fans, this is probably like the most disappointing way the season can unfold. Uh, I think from somebody who's just observing it from the outside, it's the most interesting way the season could have unfolded because the offseason is going to be – there's not to be like a lot of soul-searching and a lot of self-evaluation um, this offseason that we haven't really seen Lincoln Riley have to do before. Yeah, and it's pretty much the first correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. First time he's faced adversity in his head coaching career. He's won, you know, we Ari and I were talking the other day about it, but you can say what you want about Oklahoma going 0 3 in the playoffs, but his record's phenomenal. Go to Wikipedia, just look at it. It's just eleven and two, whatever it is. And then USC last year almost going to the playoff. And some of these guys, they've they've he made a quick, quick rise in his coaching career and he's won and you know, not saying he can't get it done or won't have that soul searching and make some changes and they be good, better than expected next year, but it's being 114th total defense and 113th in scoring defense this year. I don't not care how, uh, whether Caleb Williams can walk on water or not. Like there aren't very many. I mean, the two best quarterbacks in the entire country um, who are going to go one, two in the NFL draft are on losing or teams that have lost bad games each of the last two weeks. The other being Drake may with the Georgia tech and Virginia game. And it's like, you know, the teams that are in the playoff race, I mean, maybe outside of, of Washington and you could maybe say Oregon and Michigan. I mean, the, the number one overall picks aren't playing for those teams, you know, Drake may and Caleb Williams are losing games and there's only so much that they can do. And I feel like even in the game, like, could you imagine the Arizona game? If Caleb Williams was just like really good instead of just unbelievably different, like if he was just really good, they would have lost, you know, like how many times has USC won in games that they wouldn't have lost if they didn't have a superhero as a quarterback. Um, so the whole notion of new Lincoln Riley is going to be good no matter who the quarterback is. I mean, I guess I could buy that to a certain extent, but there are a lot of games this year and even last year where they needed a superhero and they got a superhero performance in games that they won close and they're not going to have that anymore. And I certainly don't think they're going to have a great defense. So I'm sure that there will be changes on the defensive staff and I'm sure they're going to have to address the way that they're recruiting. But I just, you know, at least with Oklahoma, like they had a disappointing loss this past weekend. It's like, but holy crap, Brent Venables is recruiting better than they ever have before, or Florida stinks this year, but hey, they have a five-star quarterback coming in, and Billy Napier is doing something different. Like Some of the teams that are disappointing on the field this year, um, not to lump Oklahoma in because they're having a really good year, but teams like Florida who are disappointing actually give you something to that you can cling your hope to, and USC doesn't even have that, which is an unbelievable turn of events considering the hope that was behind Lincoln Riley's entire aura in existence two years ago. It's like, how was that gone? It's like 18 months into it. And like, it's already gone. There's no juice in the program. It's like awful. 
even just a year ago, in December, like our this time last year when they were eight and one, nine and one, whatever they were. But you could have said, you know, Caleb's coming back and yeah. maybe they'll make some defensive changes. Yeah, no, the are coming in. Like they don't yeah. even have that this year. There's like no, it's like you're going down a one way road and like the light at the end of the tunnel is a train. Right. I think if you're, if you're a USC fan, I think you got to be frustrated too. You look at Arizona's defense to turn around or how Arizona State's playing on defense, how UCLA is playing on defense, and you probably had a better starting point. I, I know the talent wasn't great, but it's probably better. Than, it's definitely better than what Arizona was starting with, which Ed Fish was starting with a couple of years ago. And they're a solid defense um, that's capable of stopping so many people. Um, and you can't stop anyone. You're giving up 49 points to Cal and Justin Wilcox, who never scored 49 points. Like, ever so like i think that would frustrate that would frustrate me if i was a usc fan just seeing all these teams around the league that are getting better defensively um and they're getting worse antonio thanks for joining us and we will uh we'll be back with more stars matter all right that was antonio morales uh good talk on usc and we've you know we don't have to get guys we don't have to get into that because we've talked a lot about usc but it'll just definitely be kind of fascinating to watch if this 2024 was kind of a blip the whole thing's just a damn shame. For your pocket, for your wallet, you mean? For my wallet, for the sport, being right, yeah, for being yeah. right, not humiliated. I mean, it's yeah. just a, it's a damn shame. Yeah. So, all right, a few notes uh, to get into here. Um, Grace, you wrote about Grant Bricks, a kind of an under the radar, late blooming offensive lineman uh, from Iowa who really was not uh, interested in Iowa. I think it was maybe more the feeling was mutual earlier in the process as well, and. Has an Oklahoma offer, but it looks like Nebraska might be trending. So that's kind of one that I've been following just because it seems like he'll be a good get. And, uh, you know, you can kind of, I remember you talking to the kid, you could, like, he was like the most humble top 100 recruit ever. He's like, why does anyone want to talk to me? He's like, Grace Rainer's on the phone. You know, this is big time. He was so endearing. He was like, he wants to be a journalist, he thinks. And he was like, can I ask you some questions? And I was like, oh, "Oh, wow. My gosh. Yes, definitely. Did you tell him about all the awards you've won? No. Well, like seven, seven times like, South Carolina. You you won South no, Carolina Writer no. of the Year. How many times have you won South Carolina Writer of the Year? No, no, no. He was a How nice How many kid. times? I don't know. Ari, have you Is ever more won than once? Texas Writer? The only time I've ever won an award, I don't pay for Sixth the grade. FWAA, so that's part of it. But um, I won. I didn't win. I've never won a writing award or a journalism award. Shocker. I got 10th place <laughs> in the APSE. Or a top 10 finish in the APSE explanatory um, explanatory section with the uh, Bishop Sycamore story. Oh, yeah. Oh, that stuff was great. That was good. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm I'm not nearly – I don't have the Sports Writer of the State award. What you need to do is You're move to a smaller state. state. You live in Texas. Yes. You move yeah, to Idaho. Ohio you move to Idaho. a massive state. Yeah. Go to Idaho. Unless it's like going to, you know. Yeah. You know, either going well, to like well, the, Manny, you win awards too, don't you? I've only got one top 10 APSE for investigative journalism, and I got it on my wall right back here. I think it's 2002. Oh. That's how long ago that 2002. was. We need, oh to, my yeah, we need God, to freshen that up. They only sent me a PDF of my award. You got it all framed <laughs> up and stuff? Yeah, that was back when I was at the Miami Herald. Uh, it was an investigative award on, on hazing. Uh, there was a hazing incident at one of the high schools where they totally abused a couple of the wrestlers on on uh, trips. Oh, boy. So it was, That's sad. It was like one of those hard hitting uh, nine nine month uh, journeys oh, wow. to write. So that's been yeah. Fun You're number one in my heart. Yeah, that's that's big time, big time. Um, <laughs> all right, we didn't talk about this last week. Uh, maybe it hadn't come out yet, but um, 
interesting segment in Grace's recruiting mailbag where a uh, fan asked about specifically Armando Blunt reclassifying the the five star twenty five kid who um, twenty yeah twenty five kid who flipped from Miami to Florida State and reclassified and very good question like how do the recruiting services treat that like how do they evaluate him and uh, so Grace called Andrew Ivins his Andrew's second mention on the pod today from two four seven Sports to ask that question Grace kind of. Go over, you know. I, I learned. I learned a little bit about it. it it's it's common sense, but uh, it's not like they don't just say, "Okay, you're obviously if you're 17 in this class, you're going to be 17." It's all relative to the guys you're around. Yeah, I thought that was a super fascinating process. Basically, 24/7 went into it saying, "Okay, we can't just keep him where he is because we have a full year's worth of data on the 24 class. Um, they have 12 more months of film um, on the 24 prospects, and so they kind of had. I thought this was the most interesting part." at least for 24-7, obviously the composite includes all the services, but when 24-7 alone was ranking him, they kind of had a draft of all of the 2024 prospects and decided, okay, like if we were having a draft, where would we put him? And it obviously was not going to be number five, which is where they had him in 2025. And he said they debated anywhere between the 20s and the 50s, and I believe they settled on 39. Um, But... Like, it's just one of those things that I think we're going to start seeing more of, right? Because I don't think this trend is going away with kids reclassifying, but there's no exact science. And then Andrew was kind of joking, like, well, people are going to be mad at you regardless of what you do. Um, But I thought it was really fascinating and just something you don't really think about. But like, how do you compare basically apples and oranges here when you have so much more information on the apples and then now you are inserting an orange into the batch? Yeah. So that, that was interesting there. And I think you're right. We're going to see it more and more. Um, and we saw who was the quarterback? Simmons, who reclassified for two classes? Two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. committed to, to Ole, Miss. Ole Miss or signed with Ole Miss. He's there now. Um, this By is way, not Blunt, this. I was going to add this. Just there's some scuttlebutt that Blunt mm-hmm. might actually flip back to Miami. So really? Oh, really? Mario ain't yeah. done. Mario's not, not taking a knee over. on this recruitment. He's not. Yeah, he's not. It may not down. be over. Mario's trying to flip a couple guys, including an Ohio State four-star running back commitment, Jordan Lyle from St. Thomas Aquinas. That may be some some news this week. So Did we'll he flipped Mark Fletcher last two two classes. The right. last class, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, Mark he's Fletcher makes a difference in any of the games. Would say Fletcher score. I don't think Mark Fletcher is any good. He doesn't score ever in the critical moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just scored the Woody touchdown against Virginia last weekend. The dude's That's a it. beast. Yeah, <laughs> dude, um, Miami has some pieces, man. And let me tell you, sitting next to Manny, yeah, he had he was covering. I love it. The Miami beat writer or the former Miami beat writer who still covers <laughs> Miami was covering the Florida game, but was like taking notes on the Miami game the whole game, multitasking. <clears throat> and they were down. That's the way it is. And he's like, Virginia scored, and I was like. Following along with him, it was great. And, yeah. uh, you know, learn some stuff. That's why he won an award in 2002, right there. Way back when, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this is not necessarily a recruiting thing, but this is uh, noteworthy. Did you guys see today the Athletics uh, draft guru, Dane Brugler? And I know Ari did because he he, repo- he retweeted with with a, uh, a little note that Drake May is now his number one overall recruit over Caleb Williams. I wish... On the number one draft prospect. Yeah. Yeah, draft. Did I say recruit? Yeah. Yeah, you said I Yeah, I posted or I I hit a uh, futures bet six months (laughs) ago before the season started that he'd be the number one pick next year. May? Very nice. Oh. You know how this stuff goes. Yeah. You know, it's the the hype of college doesn't translate to the NFL draft. 
It's like once the season ends and Caleb, you know, is a two or three or four loss quarterback, you know, he goes from Heisman Trophy winner and the coolest guy and maybe the most electrifying player in college football to just another person being evaluated. And like Drake May, if you watch him play football, is I've told you guys he's the best quarterback I've ever seen in person. I think maybe second behind Danny Incredible, and I don't think people watch North Carolina enough to realize how good he is. And when you're thinking about the tools that you would want in the NFL, I think there are some criticisms that you could have with Caleb Williams when his uh, you know facing pressure and you know certain reads and things like that. I mean, I've seen it all the time. I don't know that he's. Everybody just thought it was slam dunk that he's the number one overall pick, but like Drake May was like. 15 to one or something to be the first pick overall. Also too, you know, the thing that was kind of ticklish or tintillating to me (laughs) about this futures bet is that like everybody has been like retweeting the last few months about like, I want to pick where I want to play college or I want to play in the NFL. I'm going to get traded or I'll come back to USC and make more money. It's like all that stuff too, on top of it. Like what if he's not even in the draft or what if he does like Eli Manning stuff and like Drake may is just like, Oh, I'm here. Like he might be the number one pick. Yeah. Not just because of grab ass, but because he's, I think there's a case to be made that he's better than him at football. Grace is uh, Drake may number one on your board. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> also, anybody who listens ass. to the, uh, until Saturday feed, the first podcast that we did back after our month long break in the summer, uh, Dave Ubbin and I broke down top 10, um, uh, reader hot takes going into the year before yeah. the season started. And then we both gave one. Mine was Drake may would be the number one pick in the NFL draft before the season started. So I'm starting to feel like, you know, what was the song that was stuck in my head before the show last week? Do you guys remember what I was singing? So on that note in uh grace, Manny and Brendan Marks in the ACC mailbag, um, that is coming published Thursday morning. Someone asked about, Basically, North Carolina's recent struggles, would that affect Drake May's draft status? And as Brendan pointed out, like, no. If anything, like, he led two drives to take leads in these games, and the defense can't stop anyone. Like, so it's that has absolutely nothing to do with it. The fact that North Carolina is not living up to expectations because he's playing pretty well and, you know, almost overcame two really, really poor defensive efforts. So I thought that was interesting. Um, ready for a little trivia? Grace? Manny, time, yeah. okay, my so most this, anxiety-inducing moment. Manny, okay. Manny, don't say a word. Well, this is one that's more just sort of like a guess, and then like it's a pure mm-hmm. guess. It's some of them you have to you can think about and and try and rationalize and, and think about the actual correct answers. But this is more just an interesting topic, in my opinion. So there are thirty-six five stars in the in the composite. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty-four. Thirty-four are committed. Mm-hmm. How many are committed to in-state schools? And I am counting IMG as a Florida school. So that muddies the water. Like one of the kids, obviously, you could probably think of is committed to his, where he grew up. But I'm counting IMG as a Florida school. So you're mm-hmm. counting like... Talk so if David Stone you're committing not counting David to... David Stone o- as an Oklahoma kid? No, I'm not. But we easily could just change the number by one. And, and there's are one you other. counting Rayola as a, quote, Georgia kid? I, I am. Because okay. he actually, you know, he's going this is hard. Georgia. I was um, well before I started. I didn't. Re- I should have guessed myself what I thought, but it's it, it's interesting. I mean, the number is low. Okay, I, I wasn't supposed to talk. Okay, go ahead. 
I mean, I was going to guess like a third maybe. Is that too high? Too low? You can't play Jeopardy like that. You don't ask the host <laughs> if that's right or not. <laughs> yeah, then you just d- deduct my money. Right. Uh, well, number two, or Williams New Aries won. Um, All right, do you have a gong there or something? Just to, we need. I, I just want question. her to hear. I just want to hear the number. Yeah, just answer. I mean, I think it's like a third, but I I don't know. That's not a number. Well, what's the thirty-six? Twelve. Is a 36. 12. Twelve. Okay, twelve. Okay, I think Ari? it's eight. Manny, I'm gonna say sixteen. Grace and Ari tie for the for the prize. It's it's ten. Ten. Yes, okay. and that includes the two IMG guys, Ellis Robinson. Um, to Georgia, who I, I don't even know where he's from. Is he from Jersey? I'm not sure. Well, that's know. not. He's you have to know where he's from. That's well, I well, David's IMG. Sto- IMG's but we counted like, Georgia, right? So he's he's out of state. Did you count right. David Stone to, I, as committed as an in-state player or not? No, I said at the beginning of the he question, said, the, the the IMG the kids IMG are counted Florida. like going to state, going in Florida, just to be consistent. So the point wasn't necessarily just to get it right. It was just, oh, wow, that's, you know, a low number. I mean, Grace, you did great. Wow. I'm looking at this list now. So. I mean, there were a few that have changed, weren't there? Like uh, Jeremiah Smith going to be another one? Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. We'll see. He's always going to Florida State, according to Manny. (laughs) (laughs) Nuary, Rayola, Simmons, Hudson. Yeah. So, that was a good question. Good job, Mitch. Proud of you. That is a good question. It's just, just a good, good topic. Uh, you know, uh, historically, we could look last five. I bet, the, I bet the number's pretty similar every year. Um, it's not close. a huge sample size. I, when I looked at it the last few years, I thought it was close to forty percent. That's the reason wow. for your high, your high guess there. So, um, yeah. all right, guys. Ari, that's it. What do you think, Ari? All right, guys. Good, good pod. Good pod. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you're going to do your thing? Oh, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to Stars Matter. We'll catch you guys next week.